millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly, with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot Um, and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Football Weekly, another cracking weekend of action for us to dissect as Arsenal equal a women's Super League record with 12 wins in a row. Volti, good first touch. Excellent second touch. And there's the deadlock broken. Leah Volti with her first Arsenal goal of the season. Manchester United's 100% record remains intact just while Chelsea stay level on points with the top two beating Brighton. Kurt plays in harder, like to stay down, harder to wrap it up, and she does, went for power. We'll react to the rest of the weekend's results as well as the midweek Champions League ones and look ahead to the Women's World Cup as England boss Serena Van assesses the Lionesses' opponents in 2023. In the Olympics they were struggling a little bit but I think they found their way back, so a very good opponent, don't ever underestimate them. So um, excited about the group, different opponents, which I really like. It's very challenging. Yeah, looking forward to it. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women, and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. Women's Football Weekly, our guest tonight. Oh, it's a special one for you. It's former England goalkeeper Rachel Brown Finnis. How are you doing, Rach? Good evening, Faye. I am excellent. Thank you. Off the back of a packed weekend of football, what could have been better? I know. Tell me about it. What have you been up to? I haven't spoken to you for ages. Well, just football, football, more football. It's been brilliant since the end of the Euro, straight into the men's prem and then WSL shortly after that. Um, both kids in school now so you know loving life oh it sounds wonderful um hopefully they're not going to be too noisy tonight knocking on the door wanting to speak to mummy uh, can't guarantee it all right okay well, well we'll keep our ear out right let's kick things off with liverpool nil arsenal two 12 wins in a row for arsenal leah volte and frieda marnham both on the score sheet inside the opening 22 minutes it was a fairly routine win really but it did match the winning record that they set back in 2018 which was actually equaled by manchester city in april last year they could though break it next week at home to west ham 10 clean sheets in a row as well which is no mean feat I mean, 10 clean sheets in a row when you've got your two centre-halves out, Raphael and 
Leah Williamson both out currently. So they've had to make some changes and to earn those clean sheets. But the way that they are playing at the back, Zinsberg has been excellent. Katie McKay dropping in at left back. Um, they have been absolutely wonderful. And as you mentioned, the 12 wins in a row, that's been done mainly by the magic of not just that front line, but you've got Kim Little down the middle, Frieda Marnham, who has really kind of been put out there as Jonas Edeval starting number nine or number 10, uh, just in behind Black Stenius. Um, Beth Mead is still on fire. She's been on <laughs> fire for months and she's still on fire. But Caitlin Ford, her real kind of, her performances have been nine out of 10 every single week. Um, out of possession, in possession, both. You know, she's a really clever player, a starting position, the way that she re recognises what the defender wants to do, sometimes drops off, sometimes gets tight to them. You can see she's using all of her experience as an international player and she's become an absolute key player for Arsenal. Yeah, she really has. But did she uh, give away a handball? Should Liverpool have had a penalty in the second half? No, nah, no, nah, no chance. Um, I watched it. We watched it back. I was doing the game um, uh, for TV, and we watched it back again. And it, no, it wasn't a handball. It was um, the hand was in the. I think if I'm getting the incident correct, a hand was not outside, not in an unnatural position, should I say, uh, and so therefore not deemed. A, I think we were a consensus in that with um, the people sort of watching and, and talking about it after the game. So, no, I don't think Liverpool really had any claim to anything from that game. Arsenal completely dominated um, and were were clinical, really, in, in how they went about things, even though, you know, the score was 2-0. Uh, it was at half-time and Liverpool were much better in the second half, but Marnham is hot to handle mm, right now. She really is. Uh, Miedemar on the bench again, though. I mean, it does say everything about the strength of this squad, but questions over whether or not she's frustrated. And whenever he's asked about it, Jonas Seideval always just kind of bats it away. Well, whether she's excited, frustrated, distressed, she always looks the same, Viv Miedemar. <laughs> so you, you would never know from looking at her. Um, you know that that she's frustrated. So you got to you try and tease it out of the manager. People are just interpreting the fact that she's used to playing and now is not playing. I'm sure that Jonas Edeval will have had a huge amount of communication. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be absolutely astounded if he had not given her the respect to have communicated his reasons why, what he was doing, how he was utilising his squad to the, their advantage. Maybe then, even if he thinks there's things that she needs to do better, I would like to think that she would be would have that line of communication open. She's not just sat on the bench frustrated because she doesn't know why she's not playing, mm. is what I mean. Yeah, um, I know exactly she what will mean. Yeah, she'll absolutely be a key point of Arsenal. Um, you know, they'd be desperate for silverware this season. They'd be looking at silverware on all four fronts and she'll be a key part of that, whether it's right here, right now, you know, in this particular week when she's been on the bench twice or whether it's moving forwards, she'll still be key to Arsenal's success. Yeah, let's hear from Jonas Eidevel, shall we? Um, he's been really impressed this week with the mindset of his players as they look to keep this fantastic run going. I think it's uh, being humble, uh, being uh, and being able to process a lot of information because the preparation for, for every game, it has to be the same. The moment you start being less prepared for an opponent, you start putting that game to a risk. So, if we want to be really well prepared, 
that's of course pretty easy in time if you have seven days between the games but when we play every three four days then that becomes really hectic so it starts with having a really good backroom staff preparing everything for us and after that it starts with the players being both that they can process that information but also that they can transmit that out on the pitch and they're really good with that but we need to keep on working. Uh, three defeats in a row now for Liverpool though without Leanne Kinn and Anshanice van der Sanden they maybe lack a little bit up front don't they but tough start to the season to be fair to them playing Chelsea, Tottenham and Arsenal Manchester City next week as, as well which uh, doesn't get much easier. Yeah, when Matt Beard uh, probably saw the the opening fixtures, he he, couldn't, he must have thought, "Blimey, you know what? It couldn't have been four harder teams to have played in this uh, in the opening start." But you know, to get get that win against Chelsea, and nobody would have seen that coming, and that will have done no end of good with regards to their confidence and to their outlook of what is possible for this season. Um, a core uh, number of the girls who got them promoted last season. Uh, are still part of this team, but he's added to that. He's brought in likes of Katie Stengel, uh, Shanice van der Sanden back. As you said, not quite fit enough for this particular game at the weekend, but good to see her be part of the squad there. And I've heard that she's back in training. So there's more to come from Liverpool. But from what I saw, the confidence and also the the physical uh, stature of the players, they look super fit. And sometimes with teams moving up from semi-professional status to a full-time league, you know, that's not always the case. So Liverpool looked physically ready to match any team in this league. Uh, and, and a lot of the passages of play looked very assured, looked very confident in knowing what they wanted to do, what they wanted to impress on their teams. They knew they were going to concede possession to Arsenal this weekend and they did their best to keep them at bay. So lots of positives for Liverpool to take out from that game. Yeah, so many positives to take for Arsenal, though, in the Champions League, because that result came off the back of that stunning 5-1 victory over the current Champions League holders and eight-time winners, Leon in their group stage match midweek. So impressive. I don't think any of us expected that. Two goals each from uh, Ford and, as you mentioned, Frieda Marnham and her impressive season and one from Beth Mead as well to make it five. How much of a big statement was this, though, Rachel? Yeah, I mean, you can see why Edeval didn't drop Marnham with two goals in that game. But you're right. Leon have... There's no team who have a bigger and more successful football CV than um, than Leon do, and to go out there and absolutely tear away um, and, and win five one was an absolute statement on the European football world. And you know whether whether Adavar wanted to to kind of make a statement or just his game plan was hugely successful on that one night, and it was you know possibly a little bit of both. But you can see certainly his intentions in in the way that he set out, the way that he is. Uh, setting up against teams, the way that he's impressing their game plan. You know, he's yes, he respects what other teams do because I remember last season when uh, Jonas in his first game up against Chelsea went out and won at the Emirates and uh, and you know his knee sliding down the touchline and then <laughs> a couple of weeks couple of weeks later they're out of the Champions League and yeah. that you know is a big lesson that he learnt uh, that don't get too carried away because it in you know no game's easy but you might get a little sniff and you might get a huge amount of confidence out of a particular result. But actually the next game comes thick and fast when you're qualifying for Champions League and you're in that top three. Um, you know, the start of the season is is a mixture of WSL and Champions League. And if you don't get it right early on in Champions League, 
that's you done and out for another year. So he's learnt that lesson from that. And uh, you can see why he's rotating his squad um, because, you know, it is a heavy, heavy kind of workload and with the travel, et cetera, as well, he has to manage that. Um, but he's, he's remarked on their mentality. You can see that they're enjoying their football and they're very, very focused. Yeah, but can they win the Champions League? I mean, they were the last and only English team to, to win it back in 2007. Chelsea obviously got to the final in 2021, but we don't like to talk about that no. <laughs> at all. I can't, or can't remember the result. Can't remember what the scoreline was against Barcelona. No, but no one's come near. But is this Arsenal's year? Well, that uh, when Arsenal won the Champions League, that was a quadruple winning team, wasn't it? Mm. And you're looking at the form that they're in. I know it's easier said than done, and it's a completely different landscape to when it was when the quadruple was last done uh, by Arsenal. Um, was it 2005? Did you say 2007? Sorry, I remember the year yeah. 2007. Um, things have come on so much since then, not just Arsenal, but across the whole you know whole of the world, but European football particularly. Yeah. And um, but. You know, if he gets the formula right and he's got players who can remain fit throughout the whole season, if he ha- continues to have this squad at this at his disposal, including Jordan Nobbs coming off the bench, which is great to see, by the way, um, then you know, I can't see. I can, there's, there's a big argument to say they could be the next team to win the quadruple. Mm, next up for Jonas Sardavall's side is against Zurich on Thursday night in the Champions League. Bit of housekeeping for you as well. Uh, Ajax were fined £1,315, very random sum by UEFA, after the goalposts used in their Champions League qualifier against Arsenal had to be adjusted, you'll remember. We brought you the story on uh, Women's Football Weekly for being 10 centimetres too low. Uh, obviously, the Arsenal players noticed it pre-match and told the club an utterly ridiculous situation, uh, which has now been sorted out by UEFA. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Faker others and former England goalkeeper Rachel Brown Finnis with you. Coming up, we're going to analyse Manchester United and Chelsea's performances from the weekend. Women's Football Weekly with Faker others. Hi, I'm Frank Kirby and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers and former England defender Rachel Brown-Finnis is alongside me. Don't forget if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app so you can just go ahead and download it today. Uh, right, Brighton nil, Chelsea 2. Four wins in a row now for Chelsea. Second half goals from Bethany England and Penilla Harder. Actually quite an impressive win actually, bearing in mind that they played PSG in the Champions League on Thursday night. That was a one nil win thanks to Millie Bright but they didn't get back until the early hours of Friday morning and only had one day to train lots of changes for Chelsea no surprise bearing in mind that late return rate so it was an impressive victory it was and that's clearly something that Chelsea have become accustomed to managing is being in the Champions League playing alongside the Women's Super League you know, throwing the FA Cup that will happen just after Christmas, as well as the League Cup that's already happening. That is a, a formula and a conundrum that Emma Hayes and her current backroom staff, who are taking over at the moment, are managing excellently. Yeah, they really are. I mean, Brighton had some good chances as well. In front of a record WSL crowd for them, 3,626 at Crawley's Broadfield uh, Stadium. Hope Powell pleased with her side despite the defeat. Um, They just need a win, don't they? Desperately, they really do. And when I talked about teams who 
I, you know, in comparison to Liverpool, who I'm not fancying that much this season. Brighton, unfortunately, are one of those. Brighton, Reading, Leicester just don't seem to be able to manufacture a win, don't seem to be creating much free-flowing football. But, you know, we talk about games against Chelsea when you're, when you're Brighton. And Brighton are wanting, and Hope Powell's an excellent manager and an excellent coach. She'll be wanting to take her team. But it's competitive. You, know, you look at young England players, the fact that she lost May Letizier to Manchester United is the sign of, you know, this competition for English players, for, you know, domestic players um, and are getting attracted away. So, that's again, that's always a reassessment every year that's that's happening for the likes of Brighton and Hope Powell. But, yeah, she'll be certainly wanting to get some points on the board and wanting to get her team away from any sort of danger zones. Yeah, Desperately, um, you know, we talk about squad depth, and obviously Chelsea have that, which is why they were able to uh, to, to field a, a, a relatively different first eleven. But for teams like Brighton, it, it's a worrying time, I would say, when the bigger teams, in inverted commas, are, are luring their players away because they've got their own ambitions. They've got a fantastic uh, new setup and, and training facilities and, and everything else that goes with it. They they have a vision of being a, a top four WSL club, but something's just not quite happening at the minute. Well, that's where, you know, I use that word reassessment. You know, why, why is that? What What's... What's not happening at the club that maybe other clubs are are doing because we've seen the the we've seen the appetite for women's football in Brighton when we when we're down you know at the European Championships mm. and there's great support for uh, Brighton and our football club both on the men's side and the women's side and as you said have a phenomenal training facility and are very much integrated in the club as well as in the community so there seems to be a lot of positives about it um, so that's something that they'll have to look in internally as to what that is, you know, what are... Because, you know, this game is doing nothing other than moving forward. The likes of Chelsea, they are a good 10 years into their plan as to becoming the one of the Europe's best teams, if not one of the world's best teams. And they're still, you know, not there, um, even though they do ultimately, you could argue, have two squads of 11, which... Emma Hayes will argue you need to have to be able to compete on, uh, on all four competitions and for that major kind of carrot, that huge prize of of um of winning the Champions League, something that I'm sure Emma Hayes and her squad are desperate to do that. Um yes. And so, you know, it's the other end of the spectrum for some other teams. They are looking to compete, to stay within the WSL. But you've got to then think, okay, how long do we just want to scramble about and stay and and you know just about survive? We've got to then start building. And this is not any sort of dig at any one club. That is just the reality for the best of the rest, as it were. Um, and for teams coming up, it's about trying to compete with those teams who perennially are, are kind of ultimately really looking at survival, first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. Brighton hosts Tottenham at the weekend and they're going to want to to try and get a positive result out of that one. For Chelsea, they've got Albania's Vlasnia up next in the Champions League midweek and then Aston Villa on Sunday. I was looking ahead to the fixtures, Rach, as well. Very excited about the fact Chelsea play Manchester United at the start of November. United still mm. unbeaten as well, having a cracking season. Leicester nil, Manchester United won. It was pretty tight, this game, um, but their 100% record continued. Nikita Paris with the only goal of the game. Her first for United in the league as well, heading home a Katie Zellen free kick in the first half. Great save from Mary Earps to Denk Kayleigh Green uh, to deny Kayleigh 
screen even. I can't even read my own writing in the second half. <laughs> uh, let's hear from Manchester United manager Mark Skinner, shall we? I'm really pleased because it wasn't pretty. It wasn't our most distinguished performance. We didn't play with the, the kind of usual vigour that we do, but it shows a different side to us. Last year we took too many draws and for us to take the points in this, look, I talked about complacency before the game because it doesn't matter where you are on the table, every game is its own little micro moment that you have to make sure you manage and I felt that even though we weren't our very best today, we, uh, we showed the resilience enough to, to see the game and do the professional job. That's quite an honest assessment from Mark Skinner, and he was right, really. But he must be delighted with the way things are going so far this season, Rach. They're uh, they're really keeping in touch. They've had a great start, haven't they? Um, Mary Oaks is, is key to that. She's continuing her absolutely sublime form, and along with a couple of other key players, uh, like Ella Toon and Katie Zellam has been excellent. Great to see Nikita Paris on the score sheet, you know, didn't didn't get as much pitch time as she would have wanted in the summer in the Euros, but has taken that move to Manchester United and really wants to make a point, you know, that she wants to start for Manchester United. Um, and, uh, uh, sorry, I'm for England. But they've had, you can't say easy, it's easy teams in the opening games, but they've used the the fixture advantage, I would say, of not playing a top three team up until, as you said, beginning of November against Chelsea. Uh, to their advantage, they knew that they had to get points on the board, that they had to get wins, and she, they've done that, and they've done that emphatically. Um, when I watched them the other week, they were absolutely brilliant to watch. I really enjoyed watching how they built through the thirds, played out the back. Mary Oaks's distribution has been absolutely uh, spectacular with regards to precision. You know, just don't see her making mistakes. And um, in everything that she does, she respects every kick, every pass, every bit of communication. She kind of dots the I's and crosses the T's on everything, Mary Oaks. Uh, and have, having key players back has been excellent. Ona Badge out this weekend, but they'll be hoping to get her back soon because she's been excellent. Uh, and then Leah Galton uh, has been always proves to be, uh, you know, worthy uh, if she were ever to want it of being in that England squad at some point. Uh, Alessia Russo, who wouldn't miss Alessia Russo? And I think Manchester United fans thought that when Lauren James left that that would really leave them short. Well, as much as it's been to Chelsea's advantage to have Lauren James at their club, then Manchester United and the work that Mark Skinner has done has been fantastic and the fans are thoroughly behind them. Yeah, tough game for them though against an improving Everton on Sunday. We'll talk about their uh, result from the weekend shortly, but still no boards, uh, no, still no points on the board for, for Leicester. Let's hear the thoughts of their head coach, Lydia Bedford. Disappointed to lose the game and, and to have done that purely by a set play moment in the end. Um, but really, really pleased overall with the players' performance across 90 minutes. I think the defensive setup and the way that we tweaked that to try and um, negate some of Man United's main threats was, was done excellently and executed really well. They worked really hard for each other on the pitch. Um, we won the ball back as a result of that in some key areas and maybe the biggest criticism I can have of the, the players today is how well we used that ball when we did win it back. A couple of long-range shots that we probably could have stayed on the ball longer for and created something else from. But I think that's probably a reflection of how hard they were working out of possession to make sure we did our jobs, which ultimately, when you look at you know where United should be performing and, and where we are, we are in different um, you know areas of the league. And as a result of that, it's important we get our defensive shape right first. We've done that excellently today. So the in-possession can come when we start to play the teams in and around us.
Yeah, that's quite important to, for Lydia Bedford to, to specify, actually keeping Manchester United down uh, to, to just a goal was pretty impressive. And they know where they're at and they've got a massive game against Reading coming up next week. Yeah, and, and talking of Reading, it was really hard for Chelsea to, to get past Reading, wasn't it, ultimately, to get that 1-0 win. And it shows you how tight the WSL can be, you know, as much as on a, on the odd occasion, I feel less and less so this season. Um, you're getting very one-sided and predictable scores. Uh, the fact that Leicester were only just edged out from a from a, a score point of view and, and Reading with Chelsea as well, teams are finding ways of being really hard to break down. And, and that's something that Lydia Bedford and Leicester will have to build on, um, although they're finding goals hard to come by and that's the main problem for them. Yeah, it really is. And we'll talk about Reading very shortly. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and Rachel Brown finish with you. Up next, we're going to discuss the rest of the WSL action and check out what's been going on in the Championship. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. This is indeed Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers. Rachel Brown finishes with me tonight as well. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or if you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Right, West Ham 3, Reading 2. Cracking game, this one. Second win in a row for West Ham, despite Reading mounting a second-half comeback. Dagny Brynas-Dottir on the score sheet again for West Ham, a header after just Four minutes this time. Vivian Asai added two more, leaving them 3-0 up inside the first 30 minutes. Reading did improve in the second half. Charlie Wellings pulling one back and a penalty with eight minutes left meant it was a nervy finish for West Ham. But they move up to fifth with that win. Still no points, as we mentioned earlier, for Reading, uh, but an opportunity perhaps against bottom side Leicester next weekend. What did you make of this game, Rachel? Well... How many times are teams going to let Brynjus dot here score in the opening five minutes off of a corner on, on a header? <laughs> I mean, it's it's Paul Koncheski must be thinking this is like the most simple but effective game plan ever. You've got, you know, a really tall kind of uh, an obvious focal point. Every time you're going to get a corner, a ball into the box or from free play, a ball wide, opening minutes, teams on the back foot. Goal, bring your stuff to you. Uh, it's kind of as 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 uh, guaranteed as Christmas is. Um, but as far as Reading, it's great to see Jackie Burns, the Northern Ireland goalkeeper from the summer, who had an excellent um, European Championships, be signed up um, and being given opportunity to play in the Women's Super League. She's earned that at time in the USA, uh, but she couldn't stem that. She couldn't really do anything about that. Three 0 up in. In the first half is just criminal. It's it's a it's switching off. It's not imp- it's uh it's not implementing your game plan. It's not recognizing the pictures of what's going wrong and being able to stop it. Uh, and it seems like it's only really half time when you can go on and, and actually make some changes. So it's going to be a tough old season, I think, for for uh, for Kelly and and her team at Reading. Um, I'm not quite sure. There've there've been quite a lot of players who, who've left but I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. But you've got to have a kind of plan B when those players have been there for quite a long time, like players of, of you know, Farrah Williams as a couple of years ago, retiring and, and moving on, Brooke Chaplin moving on, um, lots and lots of players um, who have, have left the club, who've been there for a long, long time. Um, 
So yeah, it's they're one of the three for me. I've earmarked as as really in danger all season. Yeah, I, I'm slightly worried about them as well. And Kelly Chambers says they they are improving. She can see that, but you know, and everybody says trust in her, keep keep it going. But something clearly isn't quite quite right. But as I say, you know. Uh, massive game between them and Leicester uh, this weekend coming up which is going to be fascinating because they both are desperately in need of the points having having not got anything on the board just yet Uh, two games from Saturday to to finish things off Aston Villa nil Everton won Everton moving up to fourth with that win but Villa have now lost their last two games both of them are home as well and they dropped to sixth Everton though played a game more fair enough Uh, but Lucy Graham's goal means that they sit on nine points third win of the season Villa actually probably had the better chances in this game uh, as well Rachel well as a former Everton player I can smile for the first time (laughs) about how my team's doing because for such a long time over the Covid period um, and then you know with it's ridiculous really thinking about how many managers have come and gone in that time and the turmoil that the that the crop of players uh, must have been through when you know Willie Kirk came in. I think brought eleven players in the off season to try and get them ready, and then was barely given any time. This is at the beginning of last season, uh, and so it's really been crazy stuff. So to see them finally look settled, to play settled, to see a real kind of build up of how they want to play, a real kind of imprint of personality of some of those players, because you know Hannah Benison, you can argue you can argue about her being really one of the rising stars, rising talent of, of, of football, um, you know, not just Swedish football. So she had an impact in in uh, in the Euros as well over the summer. Um, but she is a real hot property and, and Everton need to be getting the best out of her. So for me, as a, through my blue biased Everton goggles, it was excellent to see them finally get a win and a win against a team who, you know, started the season with a bang, really, with that win against... Manchester City and Rachel Daly looking, coming in, hitting the ground running. People were thinking, can she do it as a number nine in the Women's Super League? Because she'd been playing as left back for England, but playing in the nine in in the uh, in the in the America League for such a long time. It was great to see her come straight in and to have such a positive impact on on an Aston Villa team. Uh, the likes of Kenza Darley as well doing the same um, at, at Aston Villa. Um, Interested to see how long Hannah Hampton's going to be out for in goal for Aston Villa. She makes a big difference. Mm. Uh, she's a she's a huge goalkeeper for them, um, and I, I believe it's a head injury that she's out with. Which you know you don't know the nature of that. I, I don't know how it happened and therefore how long what the implications are of that head injury. But they'll be glad to get her back sooner rather than later. Yeah, they sure will. Their home form is terrible at the best. Scott just one win from their last 13 matches there, which I hadn't quite realised it was that bad. Uh, Brian Sorensen, though, must be pretty happy. He's uh, made a really big difference, as you alluded to there, Rachel. Let's uh, hear from him, shall we? He was very proud of his side's performance. It's a tough place to play here. Uh, like they, you know, I think they do well, so... It was a battle from in the 90 minutes, uh, but um, looking back at it, I, you know, I think I feel that we deserve it uh, without being too biased. Um, they only had two shots on goal, and uh, you know, I think we defended very well today. I think we should still create more in, in the 90 minutes that we do, but um, yeah, so happy for the win and for the goals. We could we could battle today, and uh, and I think both teams did that, so uh, that's how it is. And uh, yeah, just again, super happy whether we got the win. 
Yeah, really good stuff from Brian Sorensen since he's joined Everton. Uh, things seem to be turning around a little bit for Gareth Taylor at Manchester City. Tottenham nil, Manchester City three is how it finished. Two goals from Bunny Shaw and one from Lauren Hemp uh, means that they steamrolled Spurs really to, to ease the pressure on their manager. Five goals for Bunny Shaw now this season. She's really coming into her own. Yeah, she is. We've seen her in, in, since she arrived. She's been able to do it against middle table teams, lower table teams, but not really been able to cut um, to, to make that be that Ellen White for them um, that that they need against the top, top teams. But, you know, when you're looking to vie for the title, although, you know, Man City's start for the season arguably isn't title contending start. Uh, and when you look at Arsenal, playing so so well um but you know it's early early doors with regards to the title fight but i mean i talked to manchester city fans general football fans how much patience have manchester city got i feel like manchester city have got more patience with gareth taylor than certainly any city fans and you could kind of you infer from how many players have left and the caliber of players have left that they didn't have the patience with him or the the inclination towards Gareth Taylor. I mean, I'm only inferring from what's happened. And yes, they had that great run in the second half of last season, but didn't start well, lost against Aston Villa in the opening game of the season. I don't think all's great at Manchester City, but certainly um, Gareth Taylor and his team got an excellent result of the weekend against the team Tottenham Hotspur, who don't roll over easy. You know, that'd be one that, Rianne's going to be disappointed to concede three goals against. Yeah, definitely. Thoughts with Tottenham striker Ellie Brazil as well. Stretched off, only making her first WSL start for the club after joining from Brighton. We wish her all the very best. Uh, still no draws in the WSL this season, really randomly. I, I <laughs> can't quite believe that. Um, let's round up the championship. Top of the table, Bristol City beat promotion rivals Crystal Palace 3-0. Still unbeaten in the league after six games. Shania Hales continuing her good form. Fifth goal of of the season. London City Lionesses a second, 2-0 uh, win over Sunderland and a five-game unbeaten run for them. They're still three points behind Bristol City. Southampton, though, move up into third after a narrow 1-0 victory over Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. Ella Pusi with the only goal of the game. Uh, Kayla Rendell's two stunning saves uh, gave them the three points as well. Uh, by the way, Sheffield United became the first championship side to wear rainbow numbers in their match as part of the Stonewall's uh, Rainbow Laces campaign. They auctioned off the shirts afterwards as well so if you bagged yourself one of those well done uh, Lewis recorded their first win of the season beating fourth place Charlton 2-1 and then Blackburn Rovers 3-2 winners in a thriller against Coventry Saffron Jordan scoring on her 200th appearance for the club in case you missed it Birmingham's match against Durham had to be postponed because of water logging it really feels like a competitive championship this season right you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 I'm Faker Others Rachel Brown Finnis is alongside me. Next up, we're going to hear from Lioness's boss, Serena Wiegman, and assess the Women's World Cup draw. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Ashley from Putnam Hotspur and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. We're the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Ruthers and Rachel Brown-Finnis, former England goalkeeper, is with me tonight. We are available on podcast as well, don't forget. Plenty of places you can download us. First, though, head to the TalkSport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere, though, as well. Uh, now then, the Women's World Cup draw took place at the weekend. I don't know how you all feel about World Cup draws or... In fact, European Championship draws as well. I personally feel like they drag on a little bit. And on Saturday morning, it took an absolute age for them to draw the balls out. Uh, I don't know how you felt about it, Rach, but we got there eventually. Mate, we've done COVID, right? You don't have to all meet in one place. Yeah. Just do it on Zoom. <laughs> well, <Cut> cards, <laughs> put in missions. That's true. Just get it on Zoom. So oh, true. Dear me. So true. <laughs> oh dear. The, the the faff just to just to get the balls out of the out of the um bowl, the bowls, the goldfish bowls on display. Was, do you know uh, what? We're we're getting blasé about qualifying for World Cups is what it is because you know <laughs> back in the day. That just we didn't qualify for World Cup, so it is a massive spectacle for for teams that are qualifying for the first time, like the Republic of Ireland, as an example, along with others. It is the best day ever for those all involved. For getting the draw, it is a wonderful kind of. Uh, Spectacle. You're but so yes, true. You're, you're so right. I'll, I'll go back in my box because that's where I belong. <laughs> um, we should focus on England and the Republic of Ireland before we also look at some of the other fascinating matchups in the other groups. But England were drawn into Group D, which means that they're going to play all their matches in Australia and actually very little travelling, which is going to please Serena Viegman and her backroom team. They face the Group B playoff winners, which will be either Chile, Haiti or Senegal. We'll find out in February. Um, that's going to be the opening match in Brisbane, which is on the 22nd of July. Six days later, Denmark are the opponents in Sydney. And then on Tuesday, the 1st of August, they're going to play China in Adelaide. Um, before we uh, go through everything, let's hear from the England manager, Serena Viegman. She says her squad cannot wait for the tournament. Well, they're excited too. I haven't spoken to them yet after this draw. Uh, but yeah, we've been really excited, of course, about the Euros. 
and um, yes, we've showed ourselves that, that we can win games against the top opponents, and that's what we want to keep doing, and uh, we want to bring our game to the next level. That's necessary too if you want to sustain uh, successful, because the game develops so quickly, and every yeah, it's going to be so tight, so many good, good countries, and so many... Yes, so many teams that are in favourite for this tournament. So um, yes, everyone's really excited, and um, the upcoming nine months we have um, the opportunity to prepare. What do you make of the group, Rach? Uh, nobody frightens me, and I don't just mean in the group. Uh, I Boo. mean kind of overall. <laughs> and nobody frightens me. No one does. <laughs> Good Halloween, guys. Like <laughs> I'm a week early. <laughs> um, but, you know, riding on the confidence and the... Because I, I don't think Serena's not stopped. This is just part of the upward momentum of this squad because it's not necessarily the, the... There's no technical kind of gains, really, that have been made. There possibly are minimal ones. But the biggest thing that's changed is the mentality is going in and feeling relaxed but confident and assured in an environment that allows you to be that, to be yourself, acknowledging you as an individual as well as and everything about your personality and what drives you. They're all the things that Serena has tapped into with this England team and the current crop of players. So all we, they have to continue doing is, you know, yes, they've lost a couple of players, a couple of players who've retired, key players in the, in the squad. Um, you know, what will Serena do with that can't, put Ellen White on up front and, and bring Alessa Russo and Ella Toon on, you know, what will be the next tactic for that World Cup? But I've got every faith in her as a manager with her backroom staff as well, as well as the, the players and also the players coming through. Because I think what I've seen, the Women's Super League players now who are on form, likes of Lauren James at the beginning of the season, soon as she was, you know, had a great week, she was in that England squad. Jess Park had a great couple of weeks, great opener to the season. She was in that England squad. So players in the WSL, whether you've been in that squad be or before or not, you you know if you're on song, if you're playing absolutely brilliantly, you're you know leading your team out, you're going to get a chance you, straight away. Whatever the next England camp is, you will there will be a place made for you to get in that squad. And I think that's going to continue to drive a brilliant culture. Not just in the current English squad, but any English player mm. who has England on their radar. Yeah, well, one of those players is Manchester United and England forward Nikita Paris. Uh, she caught up with TalkSport's Jeff Peters and remains focused on her club form and not quite on internationals right now. No, I think I have to focus on club duties when I'm at club and ultimately performance and games count in order to get into the squad. Fan consistency and performance is, is important, but you can't too think, too think too far ahead. It's important that you take it game by game, week by week, and ultimately when I'm on international duty, that's when I'll think of England. Mm. And what, what I presume you've seen the, the draw for next year? Yeah, um, you know, the group the, the group shaping well for us in the group stage, you know, Denmark, China, um, potentially Haiti or um, Senegal. In, in the other game, they've got to play a playoff. So we'll wait and see what the final results are of the group. But, you know, overall, we should be happy with that group. Yeah, they definitely should be. And actually, I'm quite happy with the timings. Uh, by the way, I'm just going to explain to everybody, I'm actually taking the time the timings from the Telegraph's Tom Gary because I trust him much more than I trust myself because when I tried to work out the timings, Rach, I absolutely messed it up because you've got BST to take into account and all the different times in uh, in Australia as well and uh, none of my uh, addings up were right. But these are correct. <laughs> so 7.30pm local time for the opening game in Brisbane, which is 1030 
in the morning UK time. The second game will be 9.30 in the morning UK time and then a lunchtime kickoff at 12 uh, for the final group game, which is much better than I was expecting. I was really genuinely concerned I'd have to set my alarm for four in the morning. Yeah, I mean, when you've got two children at school, that is amazing scheduling. Thank you so much for putting those all those games in the middle of the school day for me so I can watch them. Um, but, you know, all sort of things aside, I think it's going to be a, a brilliant spectacle. I'm not sure about your geography, though, though. I'm not sure how close around the corner Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney are. No, Ad- so Adelaide. Know. They're, they're not that Adelaide, close, sorry. but we've avoided they're going over close. to Perth, which okay. is yeah, a relief. Um, and that's what no, the Republic right. of I Ireland still- are going to have to do, I think. Mm. No, you're right. It, it's um, it's certainly easier than it could have been. Yeah, but- I think there's still flights, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's still flights. I mean, yeah. you, you can drive mm-hmm. to Brisbane. I've done it. Um, in fact, I've driven to Adelaide as well. No, not a couple of days. About four or five, <laughs> maybe four or five hours, slightly longer than that, perhaps. But yeah, not not too horrendous. And actually, I'm saying that you know, I'm wishing that I d- wouldn't have to set my alarm for four a.m. I'm hoping that I'll be out there, and I hope that you'll be out there too, Rach, because we had great oh, fun when we gosh, were out in yeah. France, didn't we, for 2019? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing better, certainly beyond playing, than being able to be in attendance, especially when the team are doing so well. I got as much of a buzz, you know, out of being there this summer watching the the England team lift that trophy than, uh, well, maybe not quite as much as I would have done if I'd have done it myself, but it was still a very emotional and I, yeah, I absolutely desperately hope I'll be out there too. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I have worked it out because I'm a geek. If they top the group and the rest of the tournament kind of goes to seedings, they'll play the runner-up of Group B, which is likely to be Australia in the last 16 in Brisbane, could be Republic of Ireland. I'll go through their group really quickly in a second. Germany would be their quarterfinal opponents in Sydney. Then France would be the semi-final in Sydney. And then the world champions USA also in Sydney uh, for the final Fingers crossed if everything goes according to plan. But the Republic of Ireland, the other good news is that anybody who wants to watch Republic of Ireland games as well as England should be able to. They kick things off against the co-hosts Australia on the 20th of July. Uh, Then they travel to Perth to play Canada, the Olympic champions, and then they're in Brisbane for their final match against Nigeria. Um, Elsewhere, though, Rachel, some really fascinating uh, groups: United States, Vietnam, Netherlands, and then whoever the playoff A winner is going to be. So we've got a rematch of the 2019 final between the USA mm. and, and the Netherlands. That could be absolutely incredible. But whichever one of those teams are going to hope to top the group because they're going to want to avoid a last 16 tie with the likely Group E winners, which could be Sweden. Um, it's going to be fascinating. It, it is. I mean... I hope the Netherlands, for the sake of everyone, including the Netherlands, get their backsides back into gear and and bring back some of that form that saw them get to the final against the USA and win the European Championships before that because they were a shadow of the form of themselves at this European Championships. Um, So, uh, yeah, we we all hope that, you know, whether it's a new manager um, who is leading them in the World Cup, um, that they'll bring some of that back and really put a test on the United States they are still definitely you know, the best team in the world because they've got those medals around the neck. They've got that pedigree. They're still going through a little bit of a transition. It'd be interesting to see whether Rapino will be there in the summer. Um, she's a huge character, pretty much well-known around the world, but she's still got it on the pitch. Some say Ooh, yes, I'll tell some you what, she gave, Lucy Bro- she gave Lucy Bronze a run for her money in that friendly the other week. I, I, I think she's still got it. 
Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, being devil's advocate, really throwing those questions out there. I dare you to but say that to uh, Megan Rapinoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's all great. I mean, it's talking about kind of the path to the final, but when you're ticking off all those teams, the teams that we've beaten, that England have beaten, um, you know, teams that you fancy yourself against. And, and again, that's the position that England have created in their status, their current frame of mind. They feel unbeatable, but not in an arrogant and a, an uninformed or unrealistic way, uh, just a way that's really kind of performance-driven. You know, when you are technically as good as you can be, but mentally as good as you can be, you know, that is where you get your best athletic performances from. And they have that individually and as a team England at the moment. But way off the summer yet, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, the tournament kicks off at Eden Park in Auckland with co-hosts New Zealand against Norway on the 20th of July, 2023. I cannot wait. Rach, it's been a pleasure as it always is. Thank you so much, Faye. Real pleasure speaking to you. I've managed to restrain my two kids. I've sat against the door to make sure they can't come in. <laughs> Good work, mate. myself in. Very good work. I didn't hear a peep out of them. Thank you so much. I'll catch Mm. up with you soon. Thank you to Rachel Brown-Finnis, Serena Viegman, producer Will, Jeff Peters, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show live, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week. Next here on TalkSport, it's My Sporting Life with Alan Brazil. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of How I'd Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.